Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Medical School Headquarters Podcast, session number 137. Hello and welcome to the Medical School Headquarters podcast, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I am your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. If you haven't yet checked out our partner magazine, go check out Pre-Med Life magazine at premedlife.com. They offer new issues every other month in print, which you can order or get at your university if it's offered there. They also have a ton of great articles, digital articles online all the time, coming out with new stuff all the time. So again, check them out at premedlife.com. Today, we're going to talk about the MCAT, the mysterious, the intimidating MCAT. And we're going to talk with Brian from Next Step Test Prep. We've talked to him several times in the past. We're going to talk to him again. He has taken the new 2015 MCAT. And we're going to talk about his old scores, how he scored 40 plus on the old MCAT. He actually went to medical school at one point and dropped out of medical school and is still has medical school kind of in his future, which is why he took the MCAT again and will share his story and will share his thoughts on the new MCAT and everything that goes along with it, including some tips and tricks and just how to go about maximizing your ability to do well on that test. Before we get into that interview, if there's there are other things that you can think about that we don't talk about here. And we have a 30-plus page report that you can download at freemcatgift.com. Again, freemcatgift.com and uh, get some other tips and tricks for the MCAT. So let's go ahead and start by talking with Brian about his current role and, and we'll go from there. Brian, why don't you remind those listening who you are and what you do with Next Step Test Prep. 
Sure, absolutely, Ryan. And, and I want to thank you for having me back on the show again. I am Next Step's national MCAT director, which means I'm a sort of jack of all trades when it comes to the MCAT, meaning my primary job is hiring and training new MCAT tutors to make sure that all of Next Step's tutors uh, live up to our rigorously high standards. I still do tutor myself. I'm always working with one or two students because to me, that's the real joy of being an educator, working directly with students. And of course, I help keep an eye on all of our writers and editors who produce the various books and tests and things that we've done for the 2015 version of the test. Okay, awesome. And so you are a superstar MCAT test taker. We've talked before on the podcast about your 40 on the old MCAT. And even that wasn't good enough for you. You're still pushing your uh, limits and your abilities. You took the new MCAT, the 2015 MCAT, and received your score. Can you talk about your new score? Sure, yeah. So I took the April 18th test. You know, there were the first two tests administered in the country, the two dates in April. And so on the old test, which I had taken a whole bunch of times and peaked out at a 44 in the old exam, and then on the new one, I got a 525. And just to remind your listeners, the scale goes up to 528. So again, I I did fairly well. I got a perfect score in the psychology section, and then I missed one point each in the two science and the verbal sections. So sort of the equivalent of 14s on the old parts of the test and a perfect 15 in the new psych section. So in other words, you're pretty good at the MCAT. (laughs) Well, yeah, I could do it like it's my job because it's quite literally my job. So there's this myth, and I don't think we've talked about this before, but there's this urban legend that a perfect score in the MCAT is impossible. (laughs) Okay, so that's not, I think, entirely an urban legend because the AMC doesn't release data on the granularity level of being able to see exactly how many people, you know, like what the end number is for how many people got a 44, how many got a 45. And near as I can tell from all my years experience doing this and talking to tutors and talking to students, I've never met anyone who got a 45. And in fact, I could count on one hand the number of people I've met who've gotten a 44. What you do hear a lot of is, you know, guys like me who do this professionally will say, oh, I got perfect 15s in every section, but they don't mean in a single sitting. I'm sure there's someone out there who's done it, but I've never met them. Yeah. So I want to, before we get into the the MCAT, I want to reiterate to you listening that just because you get a 44 in the MCAT doesn't mean you have an automatic acceptance to medical school. Brian, can you take a second to talk about that? Sure, absolutely. The MCAT is, as your listeners know, and and as you know, of course, is a very different thing than like SAT scores or even LSAT scores for law schools, where, you know, business schools, law schools, colleges, they're willing to very often give a free pass just to get those really high numbers. You know, they just want the bragging rights and the U.S. news rankings of having a really high average test score. Medical schools, not so much. Right. In terms of the old scale that your listeners are familiar with, there was always the whole notion that a a 30 was the score you needed. And obviously there's a a big fuzzy region around that. But with medical schools, I always tell my own students, the point of the MCAT is to get to the interview and then the interview gets you in. And getting a 33 is plenty good enough, more than good enough to get an interview. So is a 43. 
So what's the difference? You get a 43. What are they going to do? Interview you harder? Interviewier? <laughs> right? The kind of numbers I'm talking about, you know, they're sort of bragging rights numbers. That They sound good. They look really great when you're bragging online. But the reality is as long as you comfortably post up on the new MCAT, something in the 507 to 508 region, you know, something that would be like a 30 on the old MCAT, that's plenty good enough to get you to the next stage, get you to the interview. Okay. Good to know. All right. So let's get into some nuts and bolts with the 2015 MCAT. And again, as you as you said earlier, it was the first couple sessions were April of 2015. The new test, the new MCAT has covered more material than the old MCAT. Can you kind of break down what a pre-med student is going to need to know to be comfortable sitting for this test? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. There's two things to keep in mind. First is the official, what does the AMC claim? And then there's the reality of what would really be a good idea. So officially what the AMC claims is you need the standard that you always needed, which was one year of bio, chem, organic chem and physics. And then the new stuff, one semester each of psychology, sociology and biochemistry. So that's what you see when you look on the website or any website talking about the new MCAT. The reality from what you know, I saw when I took the test, what we heard from our students is that there is so little organic chemistry that the reality is that even a single semester of organic chemistry is probably enough. The other part of it is that there's so much psychology and sociology that even though it's only required that you have one semester, it probably wouldn't hurt to have a full year of psych, uh, psychology and maybe a full year of sociology. And then in addition to that, because the verbal section, what they now call critical analysis and reasoning skills, or we just abbreviate that CARS, because that new CARS section is so killer, it's really a good idea for students to take some classes that help with that kind of reading and reasoning. So like a semester of, say, a philosophy course, a semester or two of literature courses will really help a lot. Okay, good. Another question you kind of hit upon organic chemistry and possibly only needing one semester of that. I know a big question is also physics. And do I really need to have physics two under my belt to take the MCAT? What are your thoughts on that? The short answer is yes. The longer answer is sort of. <laughs> so you could always take the MCAT be, you know, missing one of your semesters. So on the old MCAT, you could take it missing a semester of orgo. And the new exam, that's more or less the same. If you've only had a semester of physics, you can jury rig your way through your MCAT prep by learning the physics two stuff while prepping. But I wouldn't, it's not a good sort of first plan, right? You shouldn't plan to take the MCAT only with one semester of physics because the, a lot of the physics two topics, you know, typically things like electricity and circuits, that is still there and, in fact, is even harder. So they're going to ask you a question about a capacitor, but instead of it being just like a simple physics second semester capacitor question, they're going to give you this big, long, convoluted explanation that says the myelin sheath around an axon is like a capacitor <laughs> and, then, and then just hit you with these crazy questions. So, yeah, you really do want a full year of physics. Okay. Good to know. All right. You sat for the old exam. And now you've sat for the new exam. Talk about the differences just in a testing sense for how the day goes. 
Sure. So there are, broadly speaking, I would say one really big thing and two really small things that students will need to be aware of about the just the reality of sitting there taking the test. So the one really big thing is no shock. It is a long, exhausting day. You have to get there at 8 a.m. Depending on your location, it could take an hour to an hour and a half to check in. And with these four sections, each of which is an hour and a half long, you're talking about a test day that could run easily run eight hours, potentially even run up to eight and a half or nine hours if you have a, a really slow testing center or a really busy testing center where they take a while to check in. So that endurance building is really critical. Interestingly, I actually t- also, t- I've, been in, I've been in this game for a long time. So I first took the MCAT when it was on paper back in 1997. And that, that was also an eight hour day, right? So for me, it was just kind of like a, a return to the wonder days of the 90s. But I think for most students, that's going to be a real trial. And it's going to mean that practicing full eight hour practice sample tests is going to be real, real important. Yeah, I, I think that's an area where students miss out is they just do practice questions and break up a test, a full test into chunks. And they do those chunks without actually sitting there with a timer simulating for real what it's going to be like because it it is a huge drain and it's I don't know if it was done to kind of get you ready for the boards of what you're going to face in medical school because those tests are are full day tests as well but it it is an endurance test mm-hmm. yeah which it's funny you mentioned that because that's always been my response to complaints is like, oh, it's so long. It's like, well, suck it up, Buttercup. The step one is no cakewalk either, right? I mean, <laughs> or step two, or step three. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're gonna have to deal with this stuff. Yeah. And or, now, oh, sorry. I was gonna say, or your your licensing exam, and not your licensing exams. Your um, yeah, your licensing exams. Your can't think of the your boards for whatever residency for whatever specialty. Those board exams. Mm-hmm. Those are full day tests as well. I have no doubt. Get used to it. <laughs> yeah. And in addition to that, now that's the one big thing, right? I did mention that there are two other really kind of small things that have changed about the test, but they're really important to know if you're used to the old MCAT, which is on the old test, they used to present all the questions all at once. So the passage would be on the left, the questions would be on the right, and you could kind of skip around a lot. They changed it up now so that the MCAT only presents a single question at a time. So you have to hit that next button to see the next question and then see the next question and so on. And that sounds like a minor change, but it actually has a really big impact on how you approach the test. Because what a lot of companies or even I used to do this when I was tutoring, used to have all these advice about, oh, skip ahead and do the freestanding questions and then, you know, skip here and skip there and so on. That makes no sense anymore because every time you hit that next button, the computer is going to take a second. It might literally be one second, but it might be a few seconds to load up the next question. It makes skipping around the test a total non-starter. So any kind of strategy about like ranking the passages or making decisions in advance just goes right out the window. And I actually happen to like the simplicity and purity of it, right? The new MCAT, what's my strategy? It's simple. Start on question one, go straight through to question 59. That's it, right? You, You cannot skip around. It's too much of a waste of time. And then one other really tiny thing, but it's worth noting, is that how you highlight on the screen has changed. So in the old MCAT, you used to just be able to click and drag the words to highlight keywords, and you could double-click a word to highlight it. 
So it was real common for classes and tutors and so on to recommend to students, oh, just double click a keyword to grab it. But they changed it to this really kind of irritating little mechanism where when you highlight a word, it pops up a little icon and you have to separately click the icon to highlight, which sounds really tiny. But I got to tell you, that tiny little bit of sand in the gears is just a real nuisance. So just be aware that you're probably going to want to be a little a little more parsimonious, let's say, with how you use that highlighting function. Interesting. I wonder why they're changing this, this stuff. But yeah. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> All right. So we've talked about some of the content that's covered on the exam. We've talked about the huge change with the length. I think one of the other things to think about here is I often talk to students who will not register for a test until they've studied and are prepared to take the test. What are your thoughts on having a moving target like that? And then kind of talk about it from the standpoint of testing centers and how there may be limited seats. Yeah, that's actually a really good point because they cut down the number of testing dates. So the MCAT used to be given something like 22 or 23 times a year, and now they're only going to be averaging something like 14 or 15 dates. Now, they supposedly solved this problem by adding these quote-unquote satellite centers, like going to a, a college computer lab that you know becomes a, a prometric center just for the day. But I'm really, really wary about set, telling students to go to one of these satellite locations. My advice to my own tutoring students has always been get a spot at an actual testing office, you know, one of the typical testing centers rather than like on a university campus. Because one of the things we saw with this past May's administration is there were all sorts of weird tech issues, especially for kids working at these satellite offices. So that, you know, plugging into what you were saying about registering for the test, you got to get a seat as early as you can so that you can get the location that you want. And if you wait until you quote unquote feel ready, you will never take the MCAT. I've been doing this. <laughs> I've been doing this for 15 years and I didn't feel ready when I took it in April, right? No one feels ready. Yep. You just have to put your head down on the chopping block, you know, just put your money up on the table there and do it. Put your quarter on the video game machine and get your spot in line. Yep. Get that spot. Yeah. And nothing motivates like the headsman's axe, right? When you know it's coming, you'll get your butt moving and do your work. And knowing a set date helps you prepare in terms of setting up what you need to study and how long you have to break it all down. So, Yeah. And that's the first thing all our tutors learn when we hire them is that your number one job on the first day of tutoring is to develop a day-by-day study plan. You have to work with the students on a plan, and the plan works backwards from test day. So exactly. if there's no test day, you can't build a plan. Exactly. All right. Now that we have that set. All right, let's start talking about more of the material. And why don't we start with the chemical physical foundations? What was this comparable to with the old tests? And, and what are some of your takeaways having taken the new test? Sure. So this is the new, what, the, what used to be physical sciences, which was 50-50 chem and physics. This is the new version of that. And it's you know a roughly equal mix. It's 30% chem, 25% biochem, 25% physics and about 15% orgo with a little bit of, of um, biology scattered here and there. And so the thing about this section in particular is, I mean, that's a list of five sciences, right? Chem, biochem, physics, orgo, bio. 
the range of possible material that you can see on this chem foundation section, your very first section, is huge. And needless to say, the reporting we've been seeing from students has reflected this. So when I took the test in April, for example, I could count on one hand the number of physics questions I got. I mean, it was startling. I thought there was a mistake. I was like, I thought I was supposed to get 25% physics. I got like one random discrete question on torque in a joint or something, you know, like I got almost no physics, right? So that was April. And then of course, what happens in the June test that was just given last week is we're hearing all these reports of students saying, oh my gosh, I wasn't worried about physics because you guys all said it was biochem and my first three passages were all physics. So the really the big takeaway for students based on all the feedback we've been getting about the, the new chem foundation section is you really do have to cover all your bases. You can't blow off anything just because kids didn't get it last month. And hasn't that really been the case with the MCAT going back? Even the old tests is every test is a little bit different. Yeah, I, I, that's absolutely been the case. It's just that they, they dialed it up to 11 on this new one because it used to be just Gen Chem and physics. But now you're talking about, okay, I have to l- learn all of physics, all of Gen Chem, all of biochem and all of orgo. Okay. Like four years of science for one section. Yeah. And you're not going to know percentages until you get there. Right. When they say 25% biochem, they're just sort of, I think, averaging that over the whole year of MCATs, right? Mm -hmm. One of the other big pieces of feedback, now, well-prepped students, good tutors and classes knew this already, but a lot of students seem to be surprised by it, about how heavily amino acid chemistry was tested. So when they say that you need to know your amino acids, they're not kidding. You got to know the three letter, the one letter abbreviations. You got to know the side chains with, again, with my own tutoring students, I will tell them, okay, you have 15 minutes, draw all 20 amino acids by hand. Show me that you know them all perfectly. Because it seems like basically everybody has been saying that they they're getting questions relating to proteins and amino acids that requires real detailed knowledge. Okay. So what are some some strategies that after taking the new tests and knowing that there's so much, so many different subjects on there, have you kind of formulated any strategies for students to tackle this section? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's in terms of strategies, are you talking about strategies in terms of like how to cope with the volume of material or strategies like while actually taking the test? Sure. (laughs) Okay, so you've got the strategy for dealing with the sheer volume of material is basically two things. One, start early. I'm tempted to say two, start early, but you have to start early, right? The MCAT was always like a two to three month game in prepping for it. It's now, no joke, three to five month game. I mean, it's a full semester plus of review to make sure. And and it kind of goes back to something. I don't know if it's something you said or or if it was my own general wisdom, but your ability to do well on the MCAT, the foundation starts with doing well in your coursework as a college student. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so start early. Yeah. Start Day early. one freshman exactly. year. Right. Yeah. And not very often, but I will sometimes bump into people at like, you know, conferences or whatever who will ask me for MCAT advice. And the first thing I say is, well, how did you do in your science classes? And when a student kind of hems and haws and says, well, I didn't do really very well in chemistry. It's kind of like, well, I mean, we've got the cart way after the horse then because it's, you know, the first thing you need to do is do well in your classes. 
a good two, first two year college education is the, in a sense, the best MCAT prep. Yep. Now, having said that, once you're actually on the day itself, of course, there are ways to just manage that information. And so in particular with my own students and what we do at next step is we focus real heavily on, you know, looking at the diagrams and teaching students how to extract the most relevant information from the figures, especially in this chem foundation section, just skipping to the questions first is becoming a more viable strategy where you just, you know, question number one is all you get to see. So go ahead and try it. And if it requires some reading some part of the passage, then you go back and you look it up. I should emphasize that doesn't work on any other section of the test, it's just specifically for chem foundations. It's often smarter just to go right to the questions first. Okay. And that still works even though you you have to click next or whatever with that, how it's set up? Right, exactly. So what you do is you look at question number one, and maybe question number one just says something like, you know, the, the amino acid precursor of serotonin. And that would be something where you don't know it. So you go to the passage and you you scan for the word serotonin and you see, oh, it says tryptophan. Okay, so now I use my outside knowledge about tryptophan, meaning you didn't really have to read the passage. You just had to look up one random fact to answer question number one. And then you go to question number two, and maybe that question directs you back to figure two. So then you go back and you analyze figure two. The idea is you're being more efficient, right? You're only analyzing the passage when it will get you points in the questions, Because one of the things we're seeing, and I saw several passages like this on my own MCAT, this just enormous, intimidating science passage where the questions ended up being really straightforward and sometimes didn't even refer to the figures at all, or or not all the figures, but like maybe figure three of the three figures got no questions. So it's like, okay, well, then why invest a ton of time analyzing it up front if you're not going to get any points out of that? All right. Any last words on that section? Keep moving. (laughs) I always think of Finding Nemo. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Right. Right, Because it's real easy to fall down the rabbit hole there with doing lengthy calculations and overanalyzing the passages and so on. And I tell the students, 95 minutes sounds like a lot of time until you're at, you know, 48 minutes and you're not even halfway through the section. So just keep moving. Okay. All right. Let's talk about my favorite the verbal section or or the cars as it's now called. Now, when I took this, this was the worst section for me. I scored a 10 in the sciences and a seven in verbal, mostly because I was a super slow reader. What's changed here? So (laughs) I was going to say the good news, but, but based on how you described your own experience, I guess I'd call this the bad news is almost nothing. This is the most highly conserved region of DNA, right? This is the really foundational stuff. It has changed almost not at all. In the broad theme with the rest of the MCAT, it's longer now. So it's 90 minutes instead of 60 minutes. And it has nine passages instead of seven. The good news is that there's a little bit more breathing room. You used to have eight and a half minutes to do the passage in questions. Now you have 10 minutes to do the passage in questions. And so unsurprisingly, what a lot of students are saying, or, or rather in sort of a the dog that didn't bark kind of way, what we're not hearing is complaints about the time so much. We're seeing a lot less of kids freaking out going, oh my gosh, I had two whole passages left incomplete. We're not hearing that anymore, which I think was exactly the AMC's goal, right? They wanted to see how can you think, let's give you a little bit more time to read so you're not going crazy speeding through everything. Okay. Makes sense that they would do that. So good for them. All right. So not a lot 
has changed. Um, same advice for studying and, and kind of getting your feet wet with the verbal. Let's jump to biological and biochemical foundations. What What is this like on the old test and what does it look like now on the new test? Right. So this is was the old biological sciences section. And this also seems to be largely similar, except on the old test, it used to be about three quarters bio, one quarter organic. And now it's more like two thirds bio, one third biochem. Nominally, there's some tiny bit of organic chemistry on the test, but honestly, the it just shades right into the biochem. I mean, I would defy you to find a single question on this section that really qualifies strictly as organic chemistry. So it's basically the bio-biochem section. And what we're seeing here is more or less in line with what we expected. We're not hearing a whole lot of feedback from our own students and tutors that anybody was really shocked. So what you should expect, what we are seeing is just as promised, the biology tends to be very much focused on the biology. I call it the biology of the small, you know, thinking at the cell level on down rather than at the organ system or uh, whole animal level. What that means is because so much of the bio that they're focusing on genetics, cell bio, signaling, metabolism, that tends to shade into the biochem. It's real hard to tell the difference between the two. So that even though technically it's, you know, 65% bio, 25% biochem, it ends up feeling almost more like half and half because so much of it is just focused at the cell level on down. The particular things that students have been concerned about or commented on after they took the test really seem to focus on the real nitty gritty of enzyme function, you know, inhibitors and so on. Of course, metabolism, you know, we expected this, but we, we definitely saw it. Lots of questions about, you know, your typical glycolysis, gluconeogenesis, oxfos, all the, all the great classics of metabolism. And then again, you know, because enzymes are being tested as a little subset of that, they're going to sneak in some amino acid questions even here. You know, it's funny you, you talk about oxfos and I have no idea what you're talking about, which just goes <laughs> to show you that what the MCAT test is nothing what you need when you're practicing medicine. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, uh, as I think we we discussed with your listeners on an earlier podcast. I actually, I went to med school for two years and I remember the biochemistry professor coming in the first day in medical school and saying, look, no patient is ever going to present with a problem with his oxidative phosphorylation because that you just can't be a person, right? I mean, you can't survive with any, <laughs> with any pathologies with any of these things. Yeah. And you can see it in a lot of the MCAT prep books. They have to dig pretty deep to find a clinical correlate you know, they sort of dig up really rare glycogen storage diseases as a way to, to tie it into something clinical. It's the same way they come up with plots for the TV show House. <laughs> right, yeah. Yes, it's like, all right, let's think of it and then just spend all week making it more complicated. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Any other thoughts about the new biological biochemical foundations? Sure, yeah. So. The one thing I would really emphasize to students as they're prepping for this new thing is that, you know, of course, just like on the other hard sciences section, you have to prep broadly, right? You have to make sure you're covering all your bases. But the organ system physiology stuff is much less emphasized. So when you're getting into the home stretch, you know, when you're in that last week or two before the MCAT and, 
and trying to really just cram the high yield information. I would suggest as a broad matter, it's not really worth spending a ton of time on physiology with the only exception of the endocrine system, because the new MCAT does care a lot about signaling and integration of systems. But memorizing, you know, every little tiny step of a muscle contraction or the circulatory system or digestive enzymes or whatever, that's probably going to end up being fairly low yield. Okay. All right. There's one more section we haven't covered, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Psychological and social foundations. Now, this is the all of the new stuff. So there really was no correlation with the old tests with this section, correct? Right. Yeah. This is the entirely new beast. And the thing that was the most up in the air. And so we're the feedback here that we've been getting from students, my own experience taking the test was that it seemed really scattershot. I mean, I don't want to say the AMC doesn't know what they're doing, but I think the AMC doesn't know what they're doing. I mean, I think (laughs) (laughs) They're really just kind of feeling things out this year on this new section. So we've getting reports of students who had like consistently gone gangbusters on practice tests, you know, majored in psychology and then just tanked this section of the test. You know, I mentioned at the beginning that I ended up with a perfect score in this section when that shocked the heck out of me because I am not a psychology guy by inclination or training or background. I was not expecting that at all. So the feedback has been all over the place specifically that the section seems to be a little schizophrenic, meaning on the one hand, they seem to really want you to have a lot of detailed knowledge. There seem to be a lot of questions that are asking really specific, detailed nomenclature of all sorts of different theories and sociologists and psychologists and what the theories they came up with. But then on the other hand, a lot of the questions seem to be almost like verbal passages where you just kind of read the passage and figure it out rather than being based on a huge amount of outside knowledge. And truth be told, I'm not really sure what to make of that. The best advice we've been giving people, the one big takeaway on this section is I've been telling people to make sure you buy at least two psych books, you know, buy the next step one and the Kaplan one, pick up the Princeton review one and the exam crackers one. Make sure you're getting a view of this new psychology section from at least two different editors because it's so new and so kind of nebulous that it doesn't seem like anybody's got a really perfect beat on it yet. Interesting. It, that's, it's interesting how you discuss how they, they want so much nitty-gritty knowledge because that kind of goes against what the MCAT has always been as far as really comprehending and analyzing what they're telling you and being able to come to an answer instead of just knowing it because you've studied it and memorized it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you'll read a passage that will describe a kind of sociological phenomenon or something. And then the very first question will ask you like, you know, blah, blah, blah from paragraph two, most fits whose theory? And then it's giving, you know, like Smith's theory of conflict, you know, Joseph's theory of feminist oligarchies or just really weird, random stuff. And I remember taking it myself. I knew I was getting questions wrong. I'm like, well, I never heard of any of this, <laughs> you know? So like I said, it seems to be a little all over the board. And the best we can say is, you know, study broadly here. Interesting. Are there any, again, you talked about getting a couple books. Are there any other resources that you think may help a student's learn this type of stuff? 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that you and I talked about, I think during the first podcast we did was how important these Khan Academy videos are. And this is a real huge, valuable official AMC resource that is 100% free. I've been having my own students use it. They're really amazing, high quality. I mean, and for the price, right? I mean, the performance to price ratio is infinitely high. (laughs) And so as a general matter, it's not worth going through all of them just because it's too time intensive. You know, you can read faster than the con guy can talk. Although it is on YouTube, so you can speed up the videos. Right, do the chipmunks version. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Watch it at, at 2x. Yeah, you know, the one place where I've been suggesting that people actually sit down and watch all the con videos, regardless of their strengths and weaknesses, is just for all the psych and soch. You want to study broadly. So a couple of different prep books plus the con videos would be would give you really, really good coverage. Okay. All right. So that's all of the new sections, kind of everything from beginning to end your full eight hour day. What's the biggest take home here as we've now scared everybody that's getting ready to sit (laughs) for the new MCAT? Where do we go from here? Sure. So, you know, keep calm and carry on, right? The key thing to remember is that everyone in the room is in exactly the same position you are, right? There's no person in that room with perfect knowledge. There's no person in that room who could recall every fact from all of these, you know, dozens of semesters of content. So, and the the MCAT has always been a test about, like you said, reading and analyzing, and frankly, competing with the kids sitting next to you, because it's scaled against the other test takers. It's technically scaled against the test form. But of course, the scale for that test form is derived by predicting the performance of real humans on it. So to me, that's actually good news. In other words, you're not competing against some abstract perfection. Like in your college classes, really good pre-meds were used to getting 100. You know, you took a test and you got 100 or 95. You got A's in everything. You got to remember on the MCAT, getting an A means getting maybe 70% of the questions right. So there's a lot more breathing room on the MCAT than your typical college test you take. So as intimidating as it all is... Keep your head down, work your butt off, and you will be able to keep up with and exceed the performance of the other people in the room, which will get you that 507 to 508 that you need. Good. That's good to know. Hopefully a little less anxiety provoking. (laughs) Yes, certainly hope so. (laughs) What's Next Step Test Prep up to as far as helping pre-meds with the MCAT? And what else do you guys have to offer? Sure, absolutely. So we do, you know, we're primarily a tutoring company focused on one-on-one help, but we also sell books. You can find them on Amazon. And we do sell uh, full-length tests that students can take to help simulate the exam. Because Ryan, you had mentioned this earlier in the podcast. That's one of the things that most students don't seem to take seriously enough is simulating the full-length exams. So we've got those tests that we both use for our tutoring students and sell independently. And of course, we really pride ourselves on providing a lot of really high quality free resources to the students who are looking to get some guidance, but maybe don't have a huge budget to prep. So we offer a half length diagnostic exam that's in the exact format of the real test. And that's 100% for free. You know, they can find it at nextsteptestprep.com if they want to sign up for that test. And then through July, we're doing a whole series of free webinars. So upcoming in the second week of July, we're doing a a webinar where we review our diagnostic test. 
The week after that, we're doing a free sample biochemistry class. The week after that, we're doing a free sample verbal class. And then right in the start of August, we're going to be doing a whole webinar on the med school application process. And I think, Ryan, are you going to be participating with us in that last one there? I will be. There you go. Yeah. And so we're happy to have uh, students come to those who are you know, either just looking for some good advice or are also looking to then transition into maybe getting some one-on-one help from us. Yeah, that's awesome. And I've sent several people to Next Step and have heard nothing but positive feedback from those students that have received the one-on-one tutoring. So I give you my vote of confidence for anybody out there looking that's maybe already taken a Kaplan, maybe already taken a Princeton review. The one-on-one tutoring is just takes it to the next level for personalized help with the MCAT. No, thank you very much for the vote of confidence. And that's definitely something we specialize in. Uh, I think we brought this up before, but only about 15% of students retake the MCAT. But at Next Step, it's easily two-thirds of our student base is retakers and restudiers. So we really specialize in helping people break out of those plateaus. All right. Any other last words of wisdom for the pre-med out there who maybe is a retaker and is just kind of lost? If I could summarize the most important thing about the MCAT in a single word, it would be simple. It would be read. The, the MCAT is not a science test. It is a reading test wearing a suit of science clothing. If you're not a reader by inclination, you have to start. Read every day. Read novels. Read magazines. Read MCAT passages. If you're hearing this podcast and you haven't yet started your MCAT prep in a serious way, then you start your MCAT prep by reading. Read every day. And that's the best way to improve your score. All right. That is everything, almost everything. You can never be 100% sure, but that's as close as we can get to everything that you need to know about the new MCAT 2015. And we've talked about the new MCAT in previous episodes, but this is being recorded after April of 2015 when people have taken the new test. They've experienced it in real life. Brian has taken this test. He sat for the old test, obviously did well, sat for the new test, still did well, and he's giving his feedback along with feedback from other tutors, other students that have taken the test to help better prepare you as you prepare to study for the new test. So again, go back, re-listen to this one. I think it's an important one to kind of soak this one all in, take lots of notes. If you're driving, don't take lots of notes. Just listen again when you're at home and you have paper and pen available. So thank you, Next Step Test Prep. Thank you, Brian, for coming on the show. If you're interested in Next Step Test Prep tutoring, one-on-one tutoring, let them know that you heard about Next Step Test Prep. Let them know you heard about them from the Medical School Headquarters podcast, and they will give you some money off of any tutoring packages, uh, tutoring services that you get. So again, mention Medical School Headquarters podcast to Next Step Test Prep. Save some money on your tutoring. If you enjoyed today's podcast and you haven't done so yet, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Each time you do this, we 
do a little giddy dance because we get an email that says somebody left us a review. And we love reading these. We read them on the podcast here. Typically at this point, we don't have any new ones to read to you today, which makes me a little sad, but that's okay. We have over 280 five-star ratings, which is amazing. And I think every one of you that has taken the two minutes to do so to leave that rating interview. Again, medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. I hope you got a ton of great information out of this podcast. And as always, I hope you join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters. (laughs) 